Steve talking, Watergate. Richie's far away. In the <laughs> distance. Em- emotionally and physically, Richie is far away. But closer than usual, because we're in the same room. We are. Have we, we started? We st- I guess we have. <laughs> <laughs> this is a reunion episode. Hooray, reunion Yay. episode. Hooray. We usually touch hands, but like I said, we're too far away. <laughs> I was considering doing this uh, podcast from my bed. So yes. you would be sitting at the desk and I would be rigged up and in my bed, fully like in jams. <laughs> in your gym jams. Yeah. But then I had to go meet you, so I decided not to. <laughs> I was just going to be guided into the, into the room. Yeah, we're recording in my bedroom in London, by yep. the way, for context. Um, oh, one thing before we get into it, I wanted to do a brief apology for our London listeners who would have been greeted on our last episode with a surprise advert that they probably weren't expecting. We didn't mean to do adverts, and normally we would like to give you more of a heads up before you get adverts in your ears. They may have just already listened to another advert by the time they hear this. We've offended them twice without explaining it. Uh, Yeah, we didn't mean to. It's just part of this new new thing. And you may have gotten it and you may not have. I think it's like geo-specific. Yeah. And I think you get an ad based on like where you are and like your interests and stuff. So I know I got like a lovely advert about tourism and then you got that one about novelty sex toys. Yeah. Yeah, so... Depending, you Teddy might Roosevelt imagine. shaped dildos. <laughs> Wait, the, the dildo is shaped like him as a shape of a person or it's shaped like his penis? Both. <laughs> Depends on which one you're into. I'm just looking at my Teddy bobblehead. So oh, that's not, what it looks that's like. That's not a bobblehead. Oh, God, oh no! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our way of an apology, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, it's only a half-hearted apology because as part of the Headstuff Network, there will now be advertising. Yeah, for some people, I think, yeah, So depending on your market. But. I never get ads on any podcast, even like only the ones where people specifically record them and put them in. Yeah. But we, we're part of the other type of advertising where our hosting service is going to put the ad into the, the download. So we actually don't know what advertising you're getting and that kind of stuff. Yeah. We're gonna, we have a checklist of things that we can say we don't want to have advertised. Yeah. So things like um, Donald Trump shaped sex toys. <laughs> Get get them out of here. Get them out of there. There's None here. of that. We need more space for our Teddy Roosevelt inventory. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not sure what kind of ad you get, but it is going to be part of it um, because running these podcast things costs a bit of money and the Headstuff Network needs extra cash to try and build up its wonderful self. And since we're part of that, um, we've sold out now too. So. Yeah, we've sold out. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, ain't that, this ain't that indie underground what I'm politics you've been <laughs> used to. No, we signed a big deal. I can't believe you live in the shard. By I know, the way. Right? <laughs> I live in the tippity top of the shard. <laughs> we, we have just sellotaped your bed to the side of it. Yeah, it's very impractical, but highly expensive. Um, that's a long intro. That's a very long intro. But I think it's necessary because we got a couple of jokes in there because I saw the news stuff you sent around that we're going to be chatting about and it's all fairly dour so yes i feel like we needed to get a little bit out of the way so yes. get into it what is it what's going on um so i picked three stories that are going to be kind of related to our main episode theme oh uh, okay uh so the first that's a, one, that's a that's a degree of of, of uh thought that we don't usually apply yeah, to these exactly. <laughs> i normally just pick whichever the three biggest headlines are on bbc like literally i don't mean like the biggest news the physically biggest font <laughs> <laughs> they must be the most important. They got the biggest font. Okay. Um, in Israel, the police have concluded two investigations into the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu. Um, he, I definitely mispronounced that. Anyway. Yeah, but I, I like how you said it quick enough. Yeah, that Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
It's not even a hard one to miss to pronounce. I just for some reason definitely fumbled it that time. I even mispronounced <laughs> the word. Do you, do you want to take a second run at it? Definitely not. No. <laughs> um, so now it's up to the Attorney General, who is a member of Netanyahu's government, and he has to decide whether or not they're going to press charges. Um, what kind of what kind of stuff has he done? It's corruption, basically. And uh-huh. he, he's denied it. So I, actually, there's a typo in my notes here, and I say he denied wrongdoing. Wrongdoing. It's one word. <laughs> it was meant to be wrongdoing with a space, but actually, it reads much better. <laughs> well, I didn't do nothing. <laughs> An official quote stated. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I did, I didn't do it. <laughs> so, so stuff like bribery. Yeah, it's it's bribery and fraud, and he's he, like apparently lives the most lavish lifestyle of any. He also li- he's on the other side of the shard. His bed is taken. <laughs> <laughs> Um, in South Africa, another corrupt politician has actually been ousted. Mm-hmm. So Jacob Zuma has been in charge of that country for eight years, mm-hmm. but his party have been really worried about him damaging the AMC, which is Nelson Mandela's um, independence party that's been governing since the apartheid system collapsed. And he's been pretty shit. He's he's done not a good job at running the country. And there's a lot of like, economic and social problems going on there. They can't really get things up off the ground and make it a better place for people to live. Mm-hmm. So the party decided to stop him from being able to run again. And they nominated, I think he might have been the guy's deputy, another another long-term politician. But this guy's already rich, so they're hoping he won't take any bribes. <laughs> He's got enough money. That was people the, who have lots of money don't want more money. That was the genuine logic for why people wanted to vote for Trump as well. Because he heard, had enough money, he's yeah, not going to want any more. Yeah, he's not going to be corrupt because he already has loads of money. <laughs> It's flawed. It's flawed logic, people. <laughs> people who have lots of money generally tend to like more money. Yeah, and, and how do you think they got that lots of money? <laughs> Not by being nice. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Um, well, Donald Trump inherited it, so. Well, that's true, yeah. And probably, yeah, anyway, lost probably a significant amount <laughs> as well. So anyway, um, President Zuma not only um, wasn't allowed to run again, but they actually wanted him to resign immediately just to try and get an entirely clean slate. Mm. So he's he's resigned and... He's after leaving behind like a, a country that's a lot weaker with a whole load of corruption and it's up to the new guy now to try and get in there and fix that. Cool. Another big corruption re- revelation. Sorry, like, might I say, we are getting through these news stories incredibly fast. We have to. Because <laughs> there's a lot to talk about okay. in the main subject. So, um, special counsel, uh, special counsel, special counsel, Robert Mueller, mm-hmm. who's been investigating the Russia, the ties between the Russia Government, mm-hmm. I'm totally fucked. Their Russia okay. government. I'm going to take that again. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that. <laughs> Their Russian government. Their Russian governors. Governmenters. You see, you told me I was doing a good job and now I'm completely fumbling it. Sorry, I should never give you positive reinforcement. I only thrive negativity. Yeah, I have berated you so much in the making of this podcast that the one positive comment I've given you has completely ruined I don't know what to do. You're just crying now. <laughs> and you can tell because you can see me. Um, okay. He has given his first full-on indictments and uh, indictments. Oh, fuck. I mispronounced that word too. <laughs> it's early on a Sunday. It is. That's the other thing. This is we're first thing in the morning. Yeah. Uh, well, second or third thing in the morning. For <laughs> us on a Sunday, it's first thing. Yeah. The first thing was pastries and then, then podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> 13 Russians have been indicted by Mueller. He says that you guys have specifically done bad things since 2014 to try and influence the US electoral system. Okay. They have put upwards between $1.4 million a week into creating fake accounts on social media. $1.4 million a week? A week. Yeah, it was oh like a full-on, he's after revealing the specifics of a full-on operation with an office, an IT department, 
like that's everything. Nice. And that's and this is uh, for like Facebook advert adverts. Facebook that can Twitter, get you a lot of YouTube. That can get you a lot of impressions. Oh yeah, because like, we've done that. We've we've chucked a tenner at like posts we yeah. put on Facebook, and you can generate just from a tenner like thousands of impressions. And and as we both know, one point four million is more more than ten. <laughs> I believe so. I believe, I believe so. so. Let it's, me run the numbers. It's a few more. Uh, yes. <laughs> so they have been proven to have been doing this since 2014 and 13 individuals and three organizations have been targeted. Mm-hmm. The Russians are completely fobbing it off. I think the um, the foreign minister who's at a conference at the weekend was asked about it and he said, uh, it's flim flam. It's, oh, it's flim flam. <laughs> it's very dismissive. It's, it's, dismissive. it's, it's not even like a, a full on denial of it. He's like, oh, pish posh, flim flam. <laughs> It's like he doesn't even want to give you a, a, a strong sounding word to disregard yeah. your accusations. That's how little he thinks of it. It's like if your two year old called you a, a boogie boogie man, he's like, oh, that's flim flam. <laughs> it's definitely flim. We are investigating in, as into the flam right now. The flam is yet to be confirmed. Purely conjecture at this moment, but there are strong indications of flam. Yes. You just you said you're investigating the flam and now you have strong indications of the flam. So we have the flam. So we are investigating the flam. There are there so far flim. strong indications that there may be flam okay. involved. Right. The flim, so we've confirmed the flim and the f- through the flim, we were put down the path of, of, of there may be flam. Because okay. it's very rare that you would have flim without flam. It's true. It's true. So speaking of very rare without having flim with flam, Donald Trump says, okay, that's it. It's over. Um, it, it was only the Russians. It's nothing to do with us. No collusion. I'm totally vindicated. But that's not what this is. No, this is only the opening salvo of what the what the prosecutor is bringing forward. Right, um, and not only that, he's not investigating collusion because that's not a crime in the U.S. Conspiracy is, and that's what he's investigating. Okay, so everyone suspects that the next big reveal is going to be what Americans were involved to help the Russians. Ooh, yeah. yeah. Who, who do you think right now? Donald Trump <laughs> and his campaign. <laughs> but no, a lot like. Will I am or someone like because Donald Trump's an obvious choice. What's going to be the big revelation? Oh, you think it'll be like um, Ashton Kutcher? Oh God, that bastard! That I knew it. I knew it. We've had he this before. The whole nation. We've said this before. If only the entire election was just Ashton Kutcher punking the. It's like season. It was the final season. His way to go. Yeah, America, you've been punked. That's like that's like the they bring him to court, and that's his opening statement. And then he gets the chair. <laughs> Tonight on the season finale of Punked. <laughs> the execution of Aston Kutcher. <laughs> okay. Um, so, oh, before we move, we've forgotten over the last two episodes yes. to reveal that there is a spin-off episode called Newsy. A spin-off podcast. Spin-off called- po- podcast, yeah, not just episode. Um, <laughs> we put the first episode into your feed a couple of weeks ago and it has been going since. Mm-hmm. So we would definitely recommend you subscribe yeah. to get more. Just because we're bad at promoting it does not mean it's a bad show. It's a very good show. <laughs> yes. We're just very bad at doing anything. <laughs> it's because we've I've scheduled it so that Newsy happens one week, What I'm happens the week after. Yeah. So... By the time I'm done with one, I'm I'm straight away into thinking about how to organize the other, and then by the time I record it, I completely forget about the other one because right. oh, this is this is the off week. I don't have to think about that one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it's there. Mm-hmm. I recommend subscribing. And um, we talk to really interesting people about um, more kind of current affairsy kind of stuff, mm-hmm. whereas more in depth stuff, more in depth, more in depth conversation. Whereas what I will give you the general overview, Newsy mm-hmm. will hopefully give you the specifics. That's it. That's a good way to say it. So you're going to talk about some of this stuff on the next Newsy? Yes, we definitely will be talking about the news that happens. So hopefully there'll be some updates to those yeah. different stories. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, I will tell you at the end of this episode what we're going to be talking about because Ooh, a bit of front so sizzle. The last time 
a special prosecutor had loads and loads of inf- interesting things to say about investigations into presidential mm-hmm. misactivities was Watergate. Ooh, Steve, what am Watergate? We haven't actually said what am something no. on the show in a long, long time. <laughs> it was like the whole thing. And then it was we like the whole it. thing that the show was based on. We just haven't done it. But anyway, Steve, what am Watergate? It's a building in Washington. Oh, before we get into this, can I show, because we went for drinks last night and I alluded to this. Oh, yeah. I made the artwork for this episode. Oh, yeah. But without doing any research as to what Watergate is. <laughs> so I just made it based off my prior knowledge of this. This. Yep. this. So can I show it to you? Please. This is my first time seeing this. How accurate am I? Yeah. <laughs> you have it exactly. Am I? Yeah. Hooray. <laughs> Listeners will hope you've seen this by now. It's not like... It's a, tape, it's a tape recorder with um, super duper incriminating evidence as the label on the tape. And there's a, a Polaroid photograph of President Milhouse Richard Nixon um, with Naughty Boy <laughs> scrawled <laughs> underneath it. And you know what? We may as well finish there, Richie, because you've, you've, you've summed it up. This What I'm episode is a visual medium. There's no reason for anyone to listen to me and give my flim flam now for the next 40 minutes. But yeah, so, so nah, Watergate, I'm going to keep doing it. Watergate is a hotel. It is a hotel, apartment and office complex in Ooh, the neighbourhood of Fun. All, all you could ever want. Exactly. That's what that's what it was like. Oh, it's one of the buildings of the future. So it's ugly as fuck. Yeah, I'm sure. Like all those buildings like, yeah. built in the 60s and late 60s and 70s were. And tell me this, have they rebranded since? Because now Watergate is synonymous with... No, it's still Watergate. Really? It's still the Watergate complex. I don't know if there's still a hotel there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the, the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, had offices in the office, office side of things. Mm. And they got broken into one night in... May, oh no, actually, sorry, June of 72. Mm-hmm. And five dudes were arrested um, and they had loads of weird spy shit on them and, and dollar bills worth about... When you say weird spy shit, you mean like, like newspapers paper. with eye holes cut in them? <laughs> the moustache the, the the glasses with the moustache. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and some recording equipment that they looked like they were trying to bug, bug the phones and do nasty stuff like that. Or podcast. Yeah, or podcast <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, so before we get into why this was important, let's just set the scene for the kind of context. Of Ooh, I like you're doing like a like a Christopher Nolan style. Or we're going to start at the end, and now we're going to do like a like a flashback. Exactly. So if this is real cinematic in my mind. I imagine guys in Balaclava's breaking into a, a room, looking at files, and then we get roll it back, roll it back. The country, at, the country at large. One year later, or whatever you're about to say. Well, not later because it's a flashback. One year earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Not even one year. <laughs> That's not how time works. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes, earlier. Ten years earlier. Ten years. Wow. The Vietnam War has been raging in the United States mm-hmm. for quite a long time. Um, they've been involved militarily pretty much since JFK, actually. He was the first one to say, right, we're going to have to take over defending the South, the South Vietnamese government against the communist invaders because we don't want to have it fall and all the other countries become communist. So, And then President Johnson, who took over from JFK, he really stepped it up and turned it into the Vietnam War that we know from the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, that was going on in the 60s. There was a big backlash because people weren't really sure why so many tens of thousands of US soldiers, hundreds of thousands in fact, were going over to fight in the jungles of Vietnam when it was very far away from the United States and it wasn't like World War II where it was there was an obvious evil. It was, it was almost like they were going over there to send their boys to, to die and get hurt to attack a whole load of random villagers in a part of the world that they don't want anything to do with. Yeah. So this kind of caused a huge protest movement and a big clash between people who liked 
seeing America fight against communists and people who didn't like seeing Americans go and fight and die in a random war. Yeah. This is also tied into the counterculture movement that was going on in the 60s. Free love, hippies, hippies, drugs, all that good shit. <laughs> um, and that was also really, really freaking out the more conservative family men who were like, why has my daughter got mad long hair? And why is she going out with a guy with really long hair? And why are they both naked? I, I can't tell my girlfriend from her boyfriend. They're both got long hair. <laughs> Exactly. Are you my daughter? <laughs> what you do, Mary Sue? <laughs> that's that's what was going on. So this guy here, exactly verbatim, verbatim. This this Mary Sue's dad was like, "I need someone to come in here and fix all these hippie motherfuckers and make this place proper America again. Make America better again. <laughs> make America less hairy again." <laughs> so Richard Nixon stood up. He, he was the man for the job. He was the man for the job. He um he was. A politician for quite a long time. He got into politics pretty early out in California. I think he he went to college for a bit. He went and fought for the Navy in World War II. Mm-hmm. Didn't do a bad job there. Came back as like a bit of a war hero and kind of randomly applied to run for Congress in California for the Republicans. He kind of came out of nowhere and they were like, oh, okay, there's not really much competition, so take it. Yeah. He got elected, ended up getting into the US Senate, got picked by Dwight D. Eisenhower to be the vice president in 52. Did Man, that, this is like a Mr. Magoo style, just stumbling his way into... Well, no, after, no once he got in there, he was... Shrewd. He, yeah, he was shrewd yeah. and he knew what he was doing. He knew that if he went in with Eisenhower... So Eisenhower wasn't actually a politician before he ran for the presidency. He was he was the general who won World War II. Uh-huh. And on that basis, that's what got him elected. Yeah. Um, not that he didn't have any proper experience managing large organizations, because as the general who won World War II, he was in charge of a massive structure and he, army. Yes. It's not like <laughs> Donald Trump who became president without prior experience. Mm. This guy did have a lot of government experience, right. just not in actual politics. Yeah. So he picked um, Nixon as his like younger Republican kind of dude to, to try and mollify the Republicans like we can't just have a randomer come in and take the ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, he pretty much thought that he would get the job after Eisenhower. Mm-hmm. So he ran for the presidency in 1960 against JFK. He lost a really, really narrow election. It was only 0.2 of a percent. Really? Yeah, between him and JFK. Huh. And he thought it was stolen off him because this rich boy, JFK, came in with his daddy's money mm, and, he's and good looking. his good looks and yeah, yeah, everyone loved him and all those liberal Eastern um, guys who went to like more important colleges than one I went to. They all, that there was a conspiracy to try and knock me down. Yeah. This is the kind of a guy that Nixon was. He was very vindictive, right. had enemy lists, didn't like people who came from a better background and upbringing that he thought he had a lot of chips on his shoulder right um someone described him as a little man in a big hurry with a mean and vindictive streak who, descri- that- who described him as that <laughs> his <laughs> mother <laughs> president eisenhower oh really <laughs> oh wow he wasn't they he didn't like him at all oh no, yeah. jesus so he kind of went off the radar a bit he tried to run for the governor of california and lost it and uh, he gave a pretty emotional press conference after he lost that where he told the press, you're not going to have Nixon to beat on anymore. <laughs> That's a pretty good impression. Yeah, it's, he's an easy guy to impress. You just kinda, you talk from the top of your mouth and out the side. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you got to have a loose face. <laughs> he's got to slacken your jaw. But. So he managed to make a big comeback. Mm. Um, the Republicans had nominated a dude called Barry Goldwater to run against oh, Johnson. What a name. Yeah. Barry Goldwater. He That's was, a jazz musician. <laughs> unfortunately, he was the opposite. He was a super ideological conservative who basically wanted to roll back the government massively. And what a waste of a name. <laughs> <laughs> no, he wasn't like a cool record producer for yeah. Motown. That would have been Yeah, I feel like you have a name like Jack Johnson or something, not not what Barry Goldwater. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> for our listeners, we have to keep pausing there because there was a 
I live next to a church which is silent all the goddamn time except when I turn fucking hit record on my recorder and the bell just starts playing and a, be- a bell supposed to chime 11 times chimed like 26 paused we started talking again and then it just went wait 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 I'm not finished yet dong dong <laughs> so maybe it'll come back but I think we're good anyway okay. yeah Barry yeah. Goldwater. Barry Goldwater, son of a bitch. He um, he ran against Johnson trying to say that the best thing for America right now is to um, get rid of all government programs that were helping people. So, and he did a really bad campaign. And Johnson was actually like he was he was running on the high of bringing in civil rights legislation, a big um, kind of second government spending bill, kind of like the New Deal that they did back in the thirties, mm. and a lot of a lot of social welfare programs. And Vietnam hadn't really kicked in as much. It looked like people thought he was doing pretty well on the international stage. And as well, he was still riding on the back of everyone's love for JFK and him being the the president that died too young and was taken away from them. Mm -hmm. So Goldwater completely bombed. And the Republicans were like, holy crap, what did we just put up there? Mm. Maybe we should go back to this Nixon guy. (laughs) <laughs> who seems to be able to appeal appeal to the middle. Yeah. Um, who has a significantly more boring name. But. Yes. <laughs> well, Richard Milhouse Nixon is his full name, which oh, makes, it even, makes it even more boring. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so Nixon actually managed to get the nomination again, and he ran on a law and order mandate, which is pretty... It's like a coded message for... He wanted to, to start a TV show called Law & Order. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's, it was, it's a coded message to say those people protesting for civil rights on the streets, um, they're, they're just challenging the police. Uh, and those hippies that, that want to see the Vietnam War stopped, they're just trying to cause chaos. And it's just, it's, it's liberal silliness and we need to get back to having straight-laced tie-wearing Americans going to work in their cars with their white, white picket fence and wives at home. Mm. And not only that, but everyone's white. and <laughs> White picket fence and white men. <laughs> white men, yeah. And, and, and everybody else should just should just shut up because things aren't that bad and it'll be better if you, if you just sh- stop annoying us and let things go back to the way they were. And that was a pretty popular message. What um, a shite message. <laughs> yeah, well, that's all tied into the law and order. He yeah. didn't actually say these things, but all he'd go was, I want law and order. Yeah. And everyone was like, yeah. <laughs> they didn't have the jingle back then. Yeah. Um, so that worked, and he actually did pretty well in that election. Um, he was running against, I think it was Adley Stevenson. No, it's not Hubert Humphreys, um, who was the That's vice. Another great name. Yeah, that was. He uh, he looked like a real dork, though. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He looked like his name. Yeah. It's like what's like, onomatopoeia when, it, when a, a <laughs> word sounds like what it is. That's like he's the human onomatopoeia. There must be like a good way to twist that word to make it sound like a persona persona for Campeche. What? Blah, blah, blah. what Pers- you- Personifica Papaya. What are you? Oh, you're trying to do trying like to a like person, person on a monopaya. Persona Matapaya. Damn it, that's so much better. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're good with words, Richie. <laughs> uh, Nixon got elected, and Nixon, in his defeats, had become even more bitter. Mm. He was pretty good at hiding it when he was campaigning, but in the back room, he was an absolute asshole. Really? And he loved. The idea of getting like an upper hand against the people that he thought already had an upper hand on him because of their background and upbringing. Right, so, so he still he still had all those chips on his shoulder. Oh yeah, it, becoming the president only made it worse right. almost. So he sanctioned loads of um, nefarious schemes for his for his for his uh, Republican Party, his wing of the Republican Party, to like break into different places and bug them and bring out smear campaigns and do background checks and, mm. and all these kind of nefarious kind of dirty political dealings. And he, they all came to light after the facts. Yeah, they, they, nobody really knew. That, yeah, it wasn't public knowledge that these yeah. things were going on. Yeah, everyone thought that Nixon was like a good law and order man. He wasn't going to be doing anything like that. Yeah, um, It's not actually 
confirmed if Nixon himself ordered the break-in to the Watergate complex, but he definitely he definitely knew that those kind of guys were doing those kind of things. Right, yeah. So, roll forward again to June 72, to the break-in. Five guys are, have been arrested. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there, there wasn't that much of a big scandal about it, actually, when it came out. So, really? they were obviously breaking into the Democratic headquarters to try and bug, coming up to a presidential election campaign. So, 72 is when Nixon will be running for re-election. Right. So they um, wanted to get all the hot tips. He wanted to get the underhand to try and figure out what was going on. Yeah. Maybe he would have assumed that the Democrats were doing it to him anyway. That's the kind of a paranoid mind that he would have had. Right. Um, so le- and he could have just been thinking to level the playing exactly. field. Exactly. Yeah. I'm going to level the playing field. Even, even Either they're doing it themselves or just because they have more money and they're better looking than me. So that's why. <laughs> um, he, he, he may not have sanctioned it, but once he found out that these guys were arrested. He was absolutely furious. Like he threw glasses around the place and, and, and kicked up a storm in the White House. Wow. And uh, he demanded immediately that his top aides get involved in covering up any ties that these guys could have to the White House. Because mm. it was pretty, there was a pretty direct link between them and the White House. But this is, we'll come back to this later. This was his biggest downfall. Yeah. If he hadn't decided to make the cover up, because it was the... Oh, if he just let it lie. Yeah. Would, oh. When we say Watergate, it's it's the name for the conspiracy and the two years of investigations that come after and the White House trying to cover it up. Right. It's not just about the break-in, because if he had just ignored the break-in itself, a couple of his top aides would have been indicted and they would have been prosecuted and he would have been able to say, I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. And because for a couple of, like even a whole year, people didn't give a shit because they just assumed that it had nothing to do with the president. It was mm. just some dirty aide and... That could be, it wasn't Nixon's fault. Yeah. Um, so they went out and denied it. He actually gave a speech in August saying it had nothing to do with us. And people believed him. Mm-hmm. So it went on for a while. Um, but at a trial where the five guys were were giving, like one of the, I, I, I can't remember the particulars of how the actual case worked, but basically they had to like introduce themselves to the court. It was like a pre-trial hearing kind of thing. Mm. Um, the guy called McCord admitted that he used to work for the CIA. Okay, and sitting in the courthouse was this journalist called Bob Woodward, who suddenly realised that this was a bigger deal than everyone had re- than everyone thought. Right, and he immediately ran out and and joined forces with this guy called Bernstein, and the two of them were wa- working for the Washington Post at the time, and they started to really, really try and drill into what was going on, and was it linked to the White House? Right. Um, so these are the guys who. These are our, antag- our protagonists. Well, yeah, actually, they're the ones that they get the most credit with being the ones who reveal that the White House were entirely linked to it. Mm-hmm. And there's a really good movie called All the President's Men with mm. Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman. I think it even won an Oscar because it pretty much they made it as the re- revelations were coming out over the two years. Really? Yeah. And oh, wow. with direct um, ties to the actual journalists who were doing the investigating. So it was almost like a, a, like a, a filmed documentary of what was yeah. going on at the time. Um, cool. I'll, I'll give a couple of shout outs to things that you can watch and read to follow up on more information. Yeah. But <clears throat> they did some investigation and they were able to figure out that a $25,000 check that was intended for Nixon's 72 re-election campaign made it into the hands of these five burglars. Mm, so there was a direct link yeah. between the Nixon campaign and the break-in at the White House. Sorry, I didn't mean to go, mm. <laughs> It sounds like mm. delicious. Yeah. What a delicious Ooh, twist. Conspiracy. Mm. Oh. <laughs> That's what Nixon's doing. <laughs> sounds like sounds like Churchill. Yeah, oh. yeah it's quite similar, their voices actually. Very jowly, man. Jowly. Yeah. So it's, a jowly, it's a jowly thing. Boris Johnson as well. He yeah, gets, what yeah, is it about politics that attracts jowly, jowly men? 
it's just they're the kind of do you of, get the jails after you become a politician or is there something about having a jails that befits being a politician yeah no I think I think you have to have them going in you don't get them post installed like Leo Varadkar isn't going to go from being a handsome six foot tall straight back to dude suddenly leaning over going well maybe he gets so stressed that you just like slowly just melt maybe Maybe. Maybe it depends. Let's on what let's keep an eye on Brad Kerr. Let's keep an eye on on Macron because these are these are very sharp yeah. faced men. Yeah, Justin Trudeau over yeah. in, in Canada. In a couple of years, they're going to be at a conference, and all of them are just going to be like, Hur. yeah, exactly. They're like, what happened to your cheeks? We used to have such defined faces. They're all son of a bitches. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Justin Trudeau. <laughs> yeah, let's keep an eye on that. So the initial reaction by most people was just to shrug it off. Um, there wasn't really much press coverage apart from the two dudes in the Washington Post. And the Washington Post was kind of written off as like a really liberal mm. um, for the hippies kind of magazine. Like straight thinking Americans didn't do it. It was just liberals who wanted to undermine the president. And, and it wasn't actually something to take to take serious. Um, a survey conducted at the, in around the summer and autumn of 72 coming up to the presidential election said that most people didn't accept it as a fact that the White House was involved. by, And it was, that was the bulk of American voters. Because um, at the time, Nixon was doing pretty well on the foreign stage. Mm-hmm. He was the first American president to go to China mm-hmm. and open them up um, as like an ally of the US. He even went to Moscow and put a peace treaty, not a peace treaty, but like uh, anti-nuclear weapons treaty, mm-hmm. which was the first such kind of event between the two superpowers. Because before this, we talked about it a lot of time before, the Cold War was going on and they did not like each other. Right. So speaking of weapons of mass destruction was the last episode. This mm-hmm. is the first time the two powers agreed to limit the amount Love of Love nuclear- was the last episode. Love was the last episode. Oh, how easily you forget about love, Stephen. <laughs> I just go straight to the WMDs. <laughs> you know, which is which is which has a bigger impact on our lives? Love or a nuclear bomb? A nuclear bomb, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so people didn't really give a shit. Even Walter Cronkite, he was a big uh, face in the American media. <laughs> he was a big face. Big face. Big jolly face. Uh, pretty jolly. Yeah, of course. Um, but he he had one of the three main uh, news shows on TV. And this is back when there were only three TV stations. Mm-hmm. He himself actually tried to get people to care more about it by de- dedicating an entire episode of one of his news shows just talking about what the Washington Post were, were reporting yeah. and still people didn't give a shit. Really? Yeah, this is just coming up to the this election This is one campaign. of three things that you could watch in the yeah. evening. And people. still people are like, oh, that's just Cronkite. He's, he's just a JFK lover. Yeah, um, let's watch The Wizard of Oz again. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Or let's watch Law and Order. <laughs> I'm so glad Nixon brought this in. <laughs> Nixon ended up winning a landslide victory. It, it, I think it may be the most one of the most biggest wins that American president ever had really? in his re-election campaign. And ironically... He was going to have to resign less than two years later. Spoilers. Spoilers. A close aide to the president was recorded um, saying to one of his buddies that Watergate was almost the best thing that ever happened to us because it was such a brilliantly conceived escapade that it diverted the Democrats' attentions from the real issues in the 72 campaign and those dumb bastards focused on an issue that the public couldn't care less about. This is a quote. You can hear this recording. Wow. Yeah, I heard it. But a big twist is about to happen that was going to focus Americans' minds and really heat things up and make the Watergate scandal the thing that it became. So the judge who was in charge of the trial that was prosecuting these five burglars, mm-hmm. he was one of the people who really cared about finding out what the hell was going on. And he was dead sure that it went a lot higher than just these five burglars. He managed to convince McCord, the guy who worked for the CIA that I mentioned earlier, to write a letter um, explaining that he didn't do it alone. And it was only meant to be a private letter that he was going to give the judge so that the judge could know himself and that 
they would they would go to trial and get prison sentence, but he would be more lenient on mm-hmm. McCord because of it. Mm-hmm. But the judge actually went ahead and read it out loud in court. Oh damn, judge! The letter said that McCord McCord said that they admitted that they were lying in the trial. There mm-hmm. were links to the White House. There was political pressure put on them from people high up in the government to not implicate other people high up in the government. And when the judge finished reading that letter, put it down, everyone just sat there slack-jawed, realising... And, and, and this was the first ever recorded mic drop. <laughs> Blonk. <laughs> and then waddles away in his black robes. All rise. <laughs> Is anyone here the Law and Order theme music play? <laughs> this pretty much escalated things massively. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Uh, Woodward and Bernstein were now taken a hell of a lot more seriously. Before this, they were only rookie reporters. They were pretty much nobodies. Mm-hmm. They had a really good editor in the Washington Post, so they gave them the support that they needed. Mm-hmm. And they managed to worm their way into the back rooms of the Nixon um, um, administration. And they got guys to tell them what was going on, but they didn't actually have to reveal who was telling them what. So it was kind of like, it's called deep background in the journalistic sense. Um, it, it, it's it's like, it's a trust between the editor the journalists, between the editor and the journalists, that they can be 100% sure that what they're telling you is true, but they don't want to tell you who their source is. Right. So the editor was confident that what what they were getting was true, but he just didn't know who it was. And it turns out that some of their sources were pretty high up. Mm-hmm. The most famous one is this guy called Deep Throat. Oh, I've heard of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, so oh, <laughs> let's talk about this name. Yeah. Where did he get this name from? And did he, did, did he know... What like he didn't call himself Deep Throat? Okay, the way so this guy wasn't just like nasty. No, okay, okay. (laughs) He was the deputy head of the FBI. Okay, Liam Neeson recently played him in a movie, so it's Liam Neeson with white hair. That's what he looks like. It's a straight laced, tall dude, former soldier. So where where did Deep Throat come from? Okay, Deep Throat came from when Woodward and Bernstein were in the offices of the Washington Post, explaining to their editor and maybe one of the assistant editors. Um, they were like, "Wow, so this guy's like really deep in." And there was a movie at the time called Deep Throat. Okay, okay. a porn a movie. Porn movie. <laughs> yeah, it was a porn movie. It was a porn movie. Okay. It was one of the. It was one of the most famous first porn movies. Right. It was about this girl who had a clitoris at the back of her throat. <laughs> who to receive sexual sim- stimulation had to give guys deep throat blowjobs. Oh my god. So, one of the one of the editors was like, "Wow, you, this guy is so deep into it. We should call him Deep Throat." And oh. that, that's where it came from. Oh, okay, so so it is a sex thing. <laughs> it is. He's named after the porn movie, one hundred percent. Oh wow! <laughs> and unfortunately, it just stuck with him. He never admitted that he was deep throat. Right. Um. He died in the early two thousands. Um. But he had he had pretty severe dementia by the time he was dying. Right. But his attorney revealed that he was the deep throat source, hmm. and Woodward and Bernstein also. Confirmed, he was yeah. the deep throat source, but he himself by that time um, wasn't in a in a in a, a sound enough mental state to confirm it himself. So, right, right. Um, he never admitted it, but everyone was sure that it was this guy. He was the deputy head of the FBI, mm-hmm. so he revealed to Woodward and Bernstein that the White House was entirely involved in this, and they need to keep on digging. He told them what money to follow, who to link it, and then by the time we come around now to seventy three in the summer and autumn of seventy three, it had become so important as a national story that Congress couldn't ignore it anymore. And they agreed to set up a Senate um, investigation into Watergate. So the Senate investigation, they were trying to figure out what the best way to do this was because they didn't want it to make it look like it was just a partisan Democrat attack on the Republican president that they didn't like. So they decided to put this guy called Sam Irving in charge of the Senate investigation. He was a senator 
who was pretty much the opposite of the other lead candidate, who was Ted Kennedy, mm-hmm. one of the famous Kennedys, mm-hmm. who the Republicans absolutely hated. Good-looking, square-jawed motherfucker. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. With the, Ira, I got a good accent, and Ira, bang them broads. <laughs> Sam Irving was the opposite. Actual quote. Yes. <laughs> uh, Sam Irving, he used to call himself, I'm just an old backstreet country loyal who happened to become a dominant senator in the US Congress. But I think I should know something about this. That's that guy. That this is where the whole expression. I'm just a country yeah. lawyer. My favorite, my favorite version of that is in future ammo. Like, I'm chicken. just a simple Harper Spice chicken. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's where that, that's where that that's where the cliche comes from. Yeah. yeah or yeah. anyway, he made the most of the cliche. Mm. It turns out he wasn't just a country lawyer though. He's a, he was a he graduated from Harvard with honors. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but there was this is this is what the, a hick. <laughs> this is the persona that he was trying to put forward. Yeah. Um. People liked him. He actually became super popular because people were watching the uh, the Senate investigations on TV every night. It was such a huge TV event that all the networks put on put it on every night, like the highlights of it. Mm. And the PBS, the uh, public radio, public broadcasting station in the states, um, they actually played the entire footage from eight PM for people that didn't get to see it during the day when oh, they were wow. at work. Um, which is actually kind of ironic because Nixon hated public television and tried to cut their budget beforehand. And they ended up making a whole lot of money through donations from people wow. wanting to watch it every night. Wow. So fuck you, Nixon. <laughs> um, but that was, he just wanted people to watch the other station where Law and Order was on. That's why. Uh, it was such a big deal that someone decided to try and sell people long distance lie detector gadgets that you could point at the television <laughs> to tell if people were telling lies or not as they were speaking. A long distance lie What did this look like? I, I, I didn't Google it, but I presume it was like a toy ray gun yeah. that just has a new sticker on it. it just, and some guy's like counting the wads of dollar bills he's getting from these doofuses oh that are buying God. it. Oh my God. I don't know if it works or not. I didn't buy one to test well, it. Well, look, we don't know. We can't say. We should buy one and point it at Donald Trump and see if it explodes. <laughs> the investigators um, in the Senate managed to get a really, really high level Nixon aide to come forward. The two called John Dean was a lawyer, counsellor at the White House, who Nixon appointed as the person to cover up the, wa- the, wa- the Watergate break-in back at the start. Mm-hmm. He decided to flip, either because he was afraid of himself being prosecuted or he just genuinely wanted to do the right thing. Right. Who's to say? Yeah. But he had an excellent memory for all these conversations that he had with the presidents and all the different things that he said. Mm-hmm. But it was just his word against the presidents. Right. But he was such a convincing um, speaker and he gave such details as like the kind of tie that people were wearing in the room. Wow. Uh, that it was like, it was pretty convincing. Um, and yeah. the White House tried their best to... To try, to try and say that he was just um, a guy that was afraid for his own safety and it flipped. They even implied that he was only giving testimony because he was afraid of being going to prison and getting raped because he was such a young, handsome man. This, is, this story is filled with young, handsome men <laughs> and old, ugly men. Um, there was no way to fact check what he was saying. Until until this this long distance lie detector thing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They, the investigation they brought it in. <laughs> oh, it works. <laughs> Um, they found out that Nixon had installed tape recording uh, system in his bed in his, in his bedroom. In his bed- <laughs> <laughs> Exhibit A <laughs> in the White House ah. to tape all conversations being held there. People aren't sure why he did that. It might have been because he wanted to make sure he had it on record what people were saying to them, so he yeah. could use it against them if they it, ever changed their mind. It's his paranoia. It so, could be paranoia, yeah. or it could potentially have been that those would have been worth a fuck ton of money. 
And after he was president, he could have donated them to the Nixon Library and written it off to up upwards of five million. Oh, wow. And it would also never have to be released because the library would take it and yeah. like in 100 years it would get released. Yeah. But they would still be worth a lot of money. So he could like, oh, well, I'm giving it to charity so I can still write off the tax benefit of five million. Those, are the, those are the two possibilities. Yeah. Once it came out that there were now these tapes, the Senate realized they had to get them um, and they demanded them. The White House said, no, we can't. We, it's it's a terrible precedent to to make public what the president says between himself and his aides. This is supposed to be like um, classified secret information. Mm -hmm. So there was a standoff. And mm -hmm. um, while this was going on, a special prosecutor, not unlike the prosecutor Robert Mueller, who exists now, was appointed. This guy called um, Robert Mueller's granddaddy. <gasps> no, delicious <laughs> twist. Another one. Robert Mueller was probably not that young a man when all this is going on. He's not a young dude. Oh no, <laughs> he was probably yeah. He could like he. I think Hillary Clinton might have worked for the Watergate investigation as like a paralegal. Oh really? Yeah, at the start of her career. I think. Wow. Yeah, I need. I forgot to double check that. Um, so it's her fault. <laughs> well, that's what that's what some <laughs> of the Republicans tried to lay on her this time. Some Russians tried to say that it's been revealed. Oh my god! Of course. Uh, this dude called Cox. Um, he was a Harvard professor. Worked for the JFK campaign. He's pretty much the opposite of what you'd expect the Nixon White House to try and appoint as a prosecutor, and yet they did. Um, maybe they thought. When you say he's the opposite. How do you mean? Like he's he used to work for JFK. Yeah, he's like a liberal, liberal. elite. He's like everything that Not Nixon hated boy. about American American political scene. How and, good looking? Uh, well, he was an old by then. You can be good looking and super old. good looking. Yeah, nice. <laughs> That's not true. He was kind of, he was kind of bit jolly. Yeah, bit jolly. Yeah, bit jolly. <laughs> but he had a nicer accent when he was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he was the good kind of jolly. He demanded that they get the tapes. So it went all the way to the Court of Appeals, mm -hmm. which is like the one before the Supreme Court. Um, and the Court of Appeals agreed with the investigation and said that they had to hand over the tapes. Um, Nixon actually ignored it and said, I'll give you an alternative. I will write up what's on the tapes, give you the transcripts, and I will have a third-party neutral person listen to them and verify what I'm saying. Is he on. would have a neutral person. He would pick, and he, and he picked a Democratic senator who was pro-Nixon and kind of deaf. What? <laughs> these tapes have this never, seems like the worst person. <laughs> these tapes are now actually kind of public. And it's really, like, I, in the documentaries and, and podcasts I, I listened to and watched when I was researching this, you'd play the tape and he'd be like, and then the guy, just in case you guys didn't understand, this is what Nixon said. <laughs> because you can't, you can't hear it. Wow. It's, it's like a crackly. Apparently, he picked one of the cheapest forms of office bugging you can use. Wow. <laughs> thrifty, thrifty, Nixon. Man, you throwing a jail filter over it. <laughs> um, so Nixon put this up as like an alternative to, to handing over the tapes themselves, thinking that. It would, it would look like him putting forward a really reasonable uh, compromise mm. and everyone will go, Cox is, be Cox is just trying to slam the president. He's not, he's not being reasonable. It backfired completely. Cox refused that alternative um, and Nixon fired him. Right. But, but. here's the problem. Um, he went to his attorney general and told the attorney, uh, attorney general to fire him and the attorney general had told Congress that he would be as neutral as possible in in the investigations, and yeah. he wouldn't he wouldn't do anything political to tamper it. So he thought he couldn't do it, right? And he actually quit. And then his Nixon was like, "Right, get the fuck out. Your deputy, go. He has to go and fire him." The deputy had also spoken to Congress, right, and said, "I wouldn't do this." So yeah. he refused, and he had to quit. Right, just working his way down. down Nixon the got to the third guy, a dude called Robert Bork, who was Bork Bork. <laughs> 
<laughs> Bork actually, he, he later became kind of famous because he was a Supreme Court nominee oh. and uh, he didn't get picked. And now there's like, the, whatever for whatever reason, he was like overly investigated and everyone's like, now if, if, uh, if a, a potential Supreme Court nominee is like over grilled by the opposite party, mm. they're saying that you're borking him. <laughs> Stop borking him. <laughs> um, okay, so Nixon got down to Bork and Bork hadn't stood in front of Congress. So the Attorney General, former Attorney General said, okay, Bork, you're going to have to follow Nixon's orders because if we keep on refusing to do this all the way down, it's going to cause a serious constitutional crisis. It's already pretty bad now. So even actually Bork probably would have refused, but he decided on the advice of his boss that the best thing to do was to agree with Nixon, to agree with, um, to agree with Nixon to fire the special prosecutor. And this backfired completely as well. This just looked like a president firing someone who is getting to the root of something that he'd done wrong. Yeah. And the public was now 100% totally against Nixon. Um, It ended up being that the Supreme Court said he had to hand over the tapes. Mm -hmm. And once the tapes went over, it was pretty much end game for Nixon. Yeah. And these Um, are, sorry, if we're to reference my artwork, these are the super duper incriminating tapes. Super duper incriminating. These tapes had Nixon on the record saying things like, I I can get you a million dollars to pay off these 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 burglars. Wow. Are, so are these tapes public? They're public now. Yeah. So should we cut in some stuff from no, them? No, you can't understand them. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> it's like that's no problem. I might cut in a little just to give an example of yeah, how <laughs> unintelligible they are. I would say these people are going to cost a million dollars over the next uh, few years. Yeah. It was a really hard thing because uh, they're still transcribing them because it, the t- all the tapes from the entire Nixon administration are now public mm. and uh, not just the Watergate. So the, only the Watergate ones were the ones that people were interested in back in the 70s. And since then, they've released everything and people are transcribing them because it is a really in, in, like insightful way to figure out how a president operates mm. like on the day-to-day level. So for scholars and things like that, they are a goldmine. Yeah, yeah. But, Back to the Watergate thing, it pretty much was the smoking gun that meant Nixon was finished. Um, Impeachment was now a real possibility. Um, Congress was getting together. Congress didn't really know what to do now because... Because this had never happened before. It had happened before. There was a president impeached. Um, Johnson, uh, who took over from Lincoln, he was impeached. But they weren't sure if that was correct. Like the scholars were like, maybe that wasn't what the founders meant when they put impeachment into the constitution. Cause they didn't actually say, they said a president can be impeached for reasons of high, cri- high crimes and misdemeanors. Mm-hmm. High, there is no, it, they didn't say what a high crime was. It's a cr- when you're really high. <laughs> yeah. You're stoned you, off your face. Yeah. When you're really stoned and you steal like a traffic cone. <laughs> <laughs> That's a high crime. Damn it, Washington, put that traffic cone off your head. <laughs> I am not a crook. <laughs> Actually, you know that famous quote from Nixon, I am not a crook? Yeah. He gave that in front of Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) Was he wearing Mickey Mouse ears? (laughs) He had the lollipop in one hand. I'm not a crook. Okay, so Congress set up a committee and they gave it a budget of a million dollars to try and figure out exactly the best way to go about this impeachment thing was. Mm -hmm. It took about, it took took from the start of 73 up until, maybe 74, yeah, start of 74 up until around the summer, mm-hmm. for them to like, okay, on these grounds we can impeach it. And we recommend to the House 
that we're going to impeach the president. Mm-hmm. Um, once it looked like Nixon was going to get impeached because, and then at the, once the House decides to impeach them, it, that isn't actually it. It just means that he has to go to trial in the Senate. And the Senate are the ones who get to decide whether or not to impeach the president. So it's a whole process. It's a whole big process. Yeah. This is in the Constitution about how it works. Um, Nixon was still pretty sure that he would have enough support in the Senate to be able to hang on. But a lot of senators, including the pre-named Barry Goldwater, mm. came to Nixon and said, it's over. Um, we're going to agree for the sake of the nation that you're going to have to go. Mm. So Nixon resigned. Right. Rather than be dragged through the mud like yeah. that. Yeah. This is actually, um, on YouTube, you can watch, the camera started rolling for the speech that he gave um, when he announced his reg- resignation. And if you want to see a man who doesn't really know what's going on and, and is trying his best to be polite to the working men that are there mm. while also snapping a couple of times because of the severe pressure that's on them, this is one of the things to watch. It's just so fascinating. Like no American president has ever been in this situation before. Mm. And the American presidency is essentially the most powerful job in the world. So he's having to give it up and he's going out in like one of the most ashamed ways possible. Yeah, And it is really interesting. So the camera rolled for about five minutes as they're getting ready. And I'd recommend that people watch it and maybe we we'll stick in the show notes. Yeah. Or even, I, I think maybe even stick in a bit of the audio. Oh yeah, of course, yeah. My eyes always have, you'll find if I get past 60, that's enough. My friend Ollie always wants to take a lot of pictures. <laughs> I'm afraid he'll catch me picking my nose. <laughs> he wouldn't print that, would you though, Ollie? Ollie. Yeah. Now you can take a long shot, but I... That's enough, Fred. Ollie? Yes. No, only the CBS crew now is to be in this room during this. Only the crew. No, there, no, there will be no picture. No, after the broadcast. You've taken your picture. Didn't, didn't you take one just now? That's it. Maybe you've just heard the audio. Maybe you have. <laughs> Depending on what uh, Richie feels like doing. Depending how arsed Richie is tonight. <laughs> so, Nixon resigned. He's no longer president. Mm. Um, Gerald Ford became the president, but he was only just made the vice president that year because the previous vice president had to resign because of corruption allegations. Wow. This is something that people forget, that yeah. the entire Watergate thing was a huge saga yeah. that went on for two years. Yeah. And now Gerald Ford was president and he immediately decided to pardon Nixon of any possible crimes committed regarding to the Watergate investigation. Wow. I had to double check that last part because mm-hmm. at first I thought that he just pardoned Nixon of any crimes forever. <laughs> so <laughs> Nixon could just walk around shooting guys. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Damn you, Tart Kennedy. <laughs> All with a traffic cone oh, on no, his head. He's got an Aura AK-47. <laughs> Nixon's really high. He's got a traffic cone on his head and he's running around America doing crimes and no one can do anything about it. <laughs> Tell it, Gerald Ford. You're history's greatest monster. <laughs> oh, politics is fun. Um, okay, so the legacy. Legacy. Um, I think the worst part about Watergate is that it really solidified in the general public's mind that politics is something that's bad and mm. dirty and politicians, nine times out of ten, are not to be trusted. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure quite a few people had that opinion beforehand, but now here was the proof yeah. that the most important political office of in the world was potentially just as corrupt as everyone had always suspected that it could be. Yeah. Um, so fuck you, Nixon, for doing that. <laughs> yeah. we're, we're still we're still living with the effects of that. You, you think if that, like, if... If that sequence of events hadn't played out the way that it did, it wouldn't be such a contentious thing right now. 
Um, or do you think, or it's just the fact this just galvanized it earlier than it probably would have happened anyway? Well, not to say that it would have probably happened anyway, because people, okay, politicians have always been bent as fuck. Yeah. <laughs> back in the, back in the, like the good old golden days of, like Teddy Roosevelt's days, um, some politicians were genuinely 100% corrupt. Yeah. Taking payments in exchange yeah, yeah, for, yeah. for political favours. Yeah. Um, that, most of that had been gotten rid of through different investigations and the FBI, the FBI was a big part of going in yeah, and actually prosecuting like a, dirty politicians. Having accountability. Yeah. But people were more educated and there was more media coverage of what politicians were doing. And not only that, but people had felt that they, they didn't just vote for who their parents voted for or but to a certain extent they still do. But mm. it was, it was you put more thought into it and then you felt more let down when a politician didn't do what they said they were going to do. And because of the, like, it, yeah, I, I mean, it's not necessarily, if Watergate didn't happen, we would think all politicians are still amazing golden goddess, mm. gods and goddesses. No, but it, it it was the proof that politicians could be just as corrupt yeah. as everyone suspected they could. Yeah. And Nixon himself, um, it was kind of sad to see what happened to him. So he was actually a pretty shrewd political operator and did a quite, a, quite a lot of great things. He set up the Environmental Protection Agency. Really? Yeah, that goes on to this day. Um, he was the one that started the detente with the USSR that yeah. stopped the potential Cold War turning into a hot war uh-huh. and eventually set up the conditions for the US to win and the USSR to, to no longer exist. Mm-hmm. He opened up China. Mm-hmm. Um, like emotionally. <laughs> they're there they're there China they're there China no he opened them up to American trade right. and essentially that's the reason why we get all those gadgets made in China now hooray like these mics like these mics and everything else in front of us probably <laughs> um, he's probably like if you were to list one of the five five most consequential presidents in American industry uh, American history mm-hmm. Nixon would have to be there yeah he was definitely um, not necessarily all positive consequences but <laughs> definitely an important political uh, uh, historical figure yeah but he's always going to be tarnished by Watergate. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Even even the legacy of like a, a, a pending gate to the end of something to indicate a, like a conspiracy. Or it is the worst political cliche. Yeah. To say something gate. And the worst. And it w- even bleeds outside of politics like Gamergate back in yeah. 2014. Like that big. Um, the worst one though was I think he, w- he was one of the members of uh, David Cameron's cabinet who got in trouble for being mean to a policeman at the gate of Downing Street. Gate gate. That was gate gate. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's how sloppy and cliche this is now oh with the media. God. They just jump on putting the appendage gate onto everything. Yeah. Gate gate. Um so there's a president at the moment who has a lot of investigations going on about him. Who? Uh, well, <laughs> Zuma was one well, in South true, Africa yeah, when he's yeah, gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, but more importantly, Donald Trump. Trump. Yeah. yeah. So, like, how would you, after hearing the saga of Nixon's Watergate, what would you kind of see being applied to what's going on now with Trump? It's definite parallels. Yeah, definite parallels. Um, it's weird. It almost seems like does it feel does it feel to you like it's more normalized? Like there, there there's people are very. It seems like there's more awareness of misconduct. But it doesn't feel like people are reacting appropriately. Yeah. I think even before he got elected, we had just taken it for granted that he was going to be corrupt as fuck. Yeah. And as opposed to it feels like there wasn't like this revelation as such. It was much more of a, if there was revelation, it was very slow and almost imperceptible. And everyone kind of knows, but it doesn't feel like, like what has to happen now for a similar turning point? Well, this is it. And the people who support Trump still believe that most of the things that we're saying are lies and exaggerations by his enemies. So there needs to be some sort of hard empirical just 
I don't even know. So back back in the when Watergate came out, even though the Washington Post was considered a left wing paper, people still didn't think that these guys were making it up. Right. They thought that they might have been exaggerating it. But then when the hard evidence came out of the tape of Nixon saying it, um, it it was enough to take him down. And even his most his ardent supporters gave up on him. Mm. A tape of Donald Trump admitting to physically groping women yeah. was le- released before the election. And then and he became president. And then he became president. <laughs> so I don't know what has to happen. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. A, a recording of him. Like at that time we talked about kicking a baby over goalposts. Yeah. I think that would be it. I, I don't even think that would, they would be like, oh, that's just CGI or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But it was a really good kick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look how far that baby went. Uh, in his defense. Or that was just the Russians tricking him. They told him to kick that baby. Uh, yeah, so I'm not even sure. Um, I don't think we should necessarily conflate the two so much. And I definitely don't think we should try and impeach Donald Trump. Mm. Um, they didn't have to impeach Richard Nixon, but even when he went out, there was still a handful of people that thought that it was it was, it was was pretty harsh and they shouldn't have been gotten rid of. So why do you think we shouldn't impeach Donald Trump? Donald Trump is not going to resign you're going to have to get rid of them through the impeachment process. Right. Um, at the moment, it's pretty much impossible because Republicans aren't going to impeach their own presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, I, like, I don't know what will have to happen for them to change their mind on that. But you, you pretty much have to have two thirds of the House and the Senate agree to impeachment before it happens. If you get rid of them through that process, and it's going to be the Democrats leading the charge, people are just going to say it's a, it's a partisan tactic and it just further weakens people's trust and belief in the in the political institutions that are there mm, okay I think you should just let him go for four years and try and beat him in, in the next race yeah without yeah without trying to just bend. as a means of preserving the institution exactly because yeah. once you actually fire the gun and do an impeachment of a president that's his, that's that's that kind of worms open now yeah that could potentially happen the next time and I mean it could be somebody that we like this time <laughs> it could be Oprah <laughs> it could be Oprah well actually I yeah that's different we'll talk about that later um <laughs> Please, please, America, don't elect Oprah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I just, it's, I just don't think it's going to be a good thing. In, in Brazil, they, they used the, the impeachment process to get rid of a president two years ago. Mm-hmm. It didn't help at all. Um, she was impeached by corrupt politicians. And if anything, it just further destabilized and hardened partisan tensions there. Yeah. And just made things worse. So hopefully it doesn't happen. Yeah, we'll see. Further info. Um, slow burn was a podcast done by Slate, um, hosted by Leon Nafak. Uh, it is an eight-part series that is feckin' fantastic. Mm-hmm. I would recommend everyone listen to that if you want to get, like, the full overview in podcastual form of the Watergate <laughs> scandal. Wait, this isn't the full overview in podcastual form? This is the abridged version, <laughs> and Slowburn gives you a less abridged version. <laughs> Okay, still pretty abridged because it's only eight hours to explain what, what happened. Something happened over two years. The amount of books and scholarly work that's been done on Watergate since and 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 is still going on is insane. Mm. It's like people are never going to stop talking about it. I mean, this podcast. Yeah, I mean, here it's, we are. Here we are at the peak of this. <laughs> All the presidents, Ben. I mentioned that movie. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely check that out. You can get it on YouTube for a couple of quid if you want to rent it, and I'm sure it can be found by other means. This, that's actually being shown in the Lighthouse Cinema in Dublin oh, this afternoon. What? <laughs> and it's the second time it's been shown in the last couple of months. Wow. So yeah, it's still considered a great movie. Yeah, yeah. And it really is. It is a good way to get an overview of what's going on. It took me about three times before I figured out what, what it was about when I watched it because mm-hmm. the, the whole scandal is just so complicated. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of good books. There's If you want to know more about Richard Nixon, there was a really good biography brought out in 
2007 by John A. Farrell. It's called Nixon the Life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to just know specifically about Watergate, there's a book called The Great Cover-Up, mm-hmm. Nixon and the Scandal of Watergate. And it's not too expensive on Kindle at the moment, so I'd recommend. And it has half the word count of the previous biography. So oh, nice. Yeah, a nice little read. Nice. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. That's it. Nice. Yeah, so That's what I'm Watergate. That's what I'm Watergate. Amazing. Um, let's say goodbye. We say goodbye. Is Thanks. that it? Yeah. Is that we're not doing anything else? Not gonna just chat. Just you and I have a chat. I mean, we we can do drink. we can do that, but the guys don't have to listen to that. <laughs> well, we could bring this. This is my portable recorder. We could bring this to brunch with us if you want. True. <laughs> okay. John, hang out. Are we getting brunch? Oh, for fuck's sake, we're getting brunch, are we? What? Of course. I'm in. I'm in. Hip, I'm in Richie's hipster enclave. I have to go drink lattes and yoga brunch. I am leaving you to go do yoga after. <laughs> we can call it lunch. If you want, if that makes you feel better. It does, thank you. And I'm going to go for stretches. (laughs) Manly stretches. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, I won't say goodbye because we're going to go get lunch, so. Yeah, we'll say goodbye to the listeners, though. Okay, bye, listeners. Thanks very much for listening. Um, please rate and subscribe us yeah um, Newsy check out Newsy check out Newsy our other podcast um, if you want to follow Newsy it's at Newsy Pod but more importantly if you want to follow What on Politics we're at What on Politics mm-hmm. send us an email whatonpolitics at gmail.com we're yeah. now part of the Headstuff Network you're going to hear their little jingle at the end yeah so check out their website and follow them for interesting stuff and yeah, well, well, give a sh- let's give a shout out to other Headstuff podcasts then. Um, there's the Sus there's the, the Sus yeah they're uh, they're a good um, d- a discussion about stuff that's happening in politics and current affairs they tweet us this morning about doing a, a collabo I seen that they actually didn't tweet it this morning they tweeted us last night I oh, think maybe night. when they were having a few drinks and oh. they, they, <laughs> I think we've pretty much established that we're the drinking podcast yeah 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 <laughs> uh, we were drinking last night as well that's true <laughs> <laughs> um, there is reviewables which is a I pretty, love reviewables it's really funny isn't yeah, it yeah it's so yeah. good yeah there are there are lots and lots of really sweet podcasts. So on the on the Headstuff Network, please yeah. go check them out. Yeah. To give another shout out to another Irish podcast, though, there's the Echo Chamber podcast. Yeah, um, friends the, of the show. Yeah, at this friends point, of yeah. the show. Yeah, we've been talking on and off on Twitter. Definitely try and check them out. They are very Irish specific, though. We will say that. Yeah, um, but still interesting. So if you hate the Irish, <laughs> <laughs> don't listen to them. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Oh, on Newsy this mm-hmm. week, I'm going to talk to friend of the podcast Bruce Carlson. Hey, Bruce, about, about Watergate yeah. and how it affects it. Just not a, a short little chat, a couple of minutes. And that'll be on the next the uh, next week's newsy episode. Amazing! So that's it, man. Such a podcast synergy. Look at us playing well with others. Okay, Richie, um, come take me for brunch and, show, and show me how to yoga. So <laughs> there's a place that does duck eggs. <laughs> Do you want some fine. duck eggs? Yes, fine. Okay, fine. Yes, I'm in, when in Rome, and we're going to eat off wooden boards instead of plates. <sighs> God. Do we have to take pictures of them before they even let us eat them? Oh yeah, we're not going to. They won't give it to us unless we Instagram it. <laughs> Hashtag brunch buddies. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.